You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McCuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This is a podcast from ComediansComedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith and I'm sitting in Wellington in a lovely hotel uh, which has an eye-watering amount of mirrors and brightly coloured wallpaper in it. Uh, So I'll try and concentrate as I introduce to you, uh, recorded here at the New Zealand International Comedy Festival. actually recorded this interview last week in Auckland. Uh, This is with the lovely Ben Hurley. He's a wonderful dude, very, very funny. Uh, As you'll hear, I knew him when he was working in the UK, uh, and he's now back uh, living in Auckland and... living in Wellington, I think, actually. No? I can't remember. Um, we'll, I'm sure we'll, we'll explain on the interview in due course. Um, but he is uh, really funny. And blow me, he's famous. That was fun to step off the plane and suddenly see Hurley's face on billboards. Um, so here we go. This is Ben Hurley and I hope you enjoy it. I'll speak to you in a bit. Ben, thank you for coming on the show. My sorry pleasure. for shushing you as soon as you walked in <laughs> so that we could do it on this. Yeah, no, I've never been great at taking direction. Yeah. <laughs> so you lived in this hotel. When was that? I lived here when I lived in the UK and I came home here to do the Comedy Festival one year and I stayed for about three months. Rather okay. Than, yeah. And so I lived in this hotel and um, it's a nice hotel but it's for three months is quite a long time. Damn, <laughs> that is a way. I think I've just got yeah. two weeks this time and then I'm doing a week in, in Wellington. Because you've, you've been in New Zealand, what, like nine times in the last two years? Yeah. <laughs> I've, been here, I've been here three times. I came for the festival last year, and then I came for World Buskers in mm-hmm. January. Yes. And then I came back for... Which is a marvellous festival. I mean, New Zealand Comedy Festival is too, but yeah. the World Buskers is a marvellous festival. Yeah. I felt very lucky to, to have the, the busking angle to get me in there. Yeah. Because I think, you know, what, it's one of those ones where the gig is so beautiful, you kind of can't go wrong. But... Um, I would. I feel like you know. There's no way they'd have taken me just as a random British. Yeah. I'm also saying that because I don't want loads of British comics to try and get the gig. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's special. It's my turf. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you when did you? And also, that? there's lots of earthquakes there all the time. Oh man, terrible. so yeah, terrible, very dangerous. <laughs> so um, for people that don't know you, some people in the UK will know who you are. Some few, uh, a few, and I knew you, of course, and mm-hmm. I, I can't not bring this up as uh, Big Daddy comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, which I think came from a story about Mike Wilmot once. Oh, you were telling me the other night in the pub, yes. Yeah, he. Um, it's a great piece of advice he gave me once. Um, I think uh, we were about to do a show on the Tattershall Castle, which is, of course, the boat mm-hmm. on, um, uh, you know, on N- the Thames. Name, name the big river in London. <laughs> <What's that called? laughs> 
yes, on that one. And um, I was the compere, and um, I was about to go on, and there was a, just a table of lads, and I said to Mike, who was first on, I said, those guys are going to be cunts. And he went, hey, I don't want to be big daddy comedy or anything, but uh, never predict, because even if you're right, it doesn't make you feel any better. Yeah, right, sure, yeah. sure. And, and and sure enough, they they were. Yeah. <laughs> and I and then he came. I came up and looked at him. He went, "Feel any better?" Yeah. <laughs> and then you said to me, "I don't remember what the advice was that you gave me at the time, but I did yeah. love that phrase of yeah, I don't yeah. want to be big daddy comedy <laughs> because there's something about." I really like that aspect of comedy whereby people are always trying to help each other and say useful things a lot more than you'd think from the outside. Yes, I think so. And I think, um, well, you and I worked a lot together, I mm. think, if, and I hope this isn't an insult to you, but I thought we're, at the time we are on a very similar kind of level mm. of gigs and stuff in the UK. And we I think you were, you were a couple of, couple of rungs above me, I po- think. Po- possibly. But, but I was driving. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. We used to do a lot for Christian and, and, yeah. and Christian yeah, yeah. Hills and, uh, and Off the Curve, I think, you and I would be the road warriors that we mm-hmm. were. And... Um, yeah, I, 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 I feel like I need a certain level of comfort with another comic before I give them advice. Sure, sure. Particularly in the UK, where everyone's definitely got a plan um, and their own thing. How do you mean? Uh, well, it's, it's, it's a very serious business in the UK. It's a very professional and, and, and competitive um, circuit, which isn't a bad thing. I'm not saying that in a bad way at all, but um, everyone kind of... Not everyone, but most people who get into it now or have got into it maybe in the last 10 years get into comedy with the plan to, to make it a career and, and, um, and, you know, and have longevity and, and, and they definitely have a, an idea of um, what they want to be on stage and where they want to get to. And, um, whereas I think in New Zealand, although it's starting to change, you know, it's a bit more haphazard and you just kind of sure. give it a crack and then, you know, people pay you, then you keep doing it. And if they stop, you stop. And you're, and you're talking now as someone who, I remember when I came here last April, mm-hmm. I like got off the plane and saw a poster with your face, like a billboard with your face on it. I went, right. holy shit, Hurley's famous. <laughs> Which <laughs> okay. to be fair, you, I mean, how long, when were you last living in the UK? It's been a while. Yeah, yeah 2009. I've been okay. here five years. Okay. Yeah. And so, but you are at the level in New Zealand where you're you're like a regular, recognise him in the street kind of guy. I guess so now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you are you obviously someone who started like a lot of guys in in the UK and kind of what we think of now as like the old guard of alternative comedy. Mm-hmm. They were people who went into it thinking, "Oh, I love making people laugh. Sure. I'm a bit of a weirdo. I don't fit in. I'll try this." And now they're the guys who are commanding good salaries, driving nice cars, and appearing on TV a lot. You know, it's almost like, if you think of the old, old girl, people like, you know, well, I think of someone like Jack D. Sure, right. You know, that's like, that's an incredibly rich career Mm -hmm. with loads of possibilities and one would imagine a fair amount of cash from various, you know, advertising endeavours, telly, DVDs, tours, and the rest of it. Absolutely. I mean, I always... um I was always amazed, uh, just because our industry's younger here, and, and so when I started, I, I was just always amazed that you could really make a living from this. And what, what, what was the landscape when you started? So there was probably four or five recognisable comics, um, you know, that you would see pop up on TV from time to time. Would we? Would British listeners know any? Brendan Lovegrove would probably be one okay. of the few that, yeah, no that, that he, um, you know, he worked in the UK for a few years. Um, so love he was love grow. There's Cal Wilson who um, would people Friend would of the show. yeah oh right there you go yeah. um, uh, and uh, a, a, a bloke called Radar 
uh, and uh, who's who's now a sort of he's kind of our um, oh, I was going to say Bear Grylls, but he's he's much less annoying. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, and uh, and and a guy called Mike King, who is a Maori fella, and um, and oh, and, and probably uh, Ewan Gilmore, who is our kind of um, well, Australian and New Zealand listeners will know what I mean when I say bogan. Okay, um, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's, it's kind of it's quite an Australasian thing. It's not quite a chav. Yeah, it's almost like the, the idea of a chav, but with a certain amount of pride in being a bogan. A bogan's proud to be called bogan. Certainly, certainly, yeah. certainly proud to be called bogan's, and is a, a lot more heavy metal kind of influence. Sure, um, mullets and muscle cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. That's the one. Yeah. Okay. Um, so there were those five people, and, and they were they were recognisable everywhere, and uh, and there was kind of a. Um, that's when I got into it, and I, I mean, I literally got into comedy. Maybe, and I was in, I was living in Wellington, and there was this young duo who were trying things out at the time. There called Flight of the Concords, mm-hmm. who we all thought were great, mm-hmm. uh, but no one knew who they were. Um, and they, you know, they were literally only one or two years deep into the industry, sure. deeper than me. Sure. Um, so was there when you say the industry? What what was you, you said you didn't necessarily know that you could make a living from telling jokes. I sure. Mean, were, there, were there open spot clubs? Was there a, an open spot circuit? Or was it a case of just turning up and asking I, to do a gig in a pub? Sort of thing? Right. So, yeah, basically that. that, that was kind of, you, you kind of had to make your own work. There was no circuit to speak of. I think the classic started, uh, the classic comedy bar started um, in Auckland the year that I started. Uh, and so I, but I lived in Wellington. I lived in another city, so that was kind of um, the kind of mecca. And um, okay, yeah. So I'm just felt, I'm just filtered, just processing that. You started in the same year as the classic. Yeah. So it's like 20 years ago, is it? Uh, for, uh, 13 years ago. Oh, yeah. 13. I thought yeah. the classic 13, was 13, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, yeah, it was kind of ha- has a Auckland definitely had more of a scene, and obviously it had a full time comedy club. Um, so, uh, but I was in Wellington, and and so I. Um, they had fit with fringe festivals and things okay. like that, so that's where I did my first gig. And had uh, you seen you'd seen those comics before, what on TV or just had you gone to comedy gigs? Yourself? Yeah, there was a there was a TV show called Pulp Comedy, which um, had three acts and a host, mm-hmm. and um, was a half hour TV show, okay. and that had been going uh, maybe three or four years okay. um, when I started. Yeah. Okay. Um, but also, the, the, you know, whenever they needed a, a comedian for something, that was basically one of those five people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. So you saw that and went, I could do that. I mean, you were a you were a funny kid in school. Like, mm, yeah, I was always trying to be. Fu- I think everyone's funny at school. Everyone's kind of operating MOs that they try and make people laugh, isn't it? I don't know. Is it? I think I don't know. I always found everyone funny. I, all my friends were funny. Um, you know, I went to a co-ed school, and you know, the, the girls made each other laugh, and made guys laugh, and. Guys were always trying to make girls laugh to impress them, and mm-hmm. um, uh, everyone was kind of funny. And then everyone just went and got you know real jobs, and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and some of us went, "Hang on a minute." Yeah, yeah. So what was that? I mean, I know for me, I, the more I think about it now, I, I think my impetus was partly how can I make people think I'm special, and sure. partly how can I not get a real job. So what were those similar things for you? What were your what were your kind of key what were the cornerstones of you thinking I'm having a go at this um I loved comedy so I had a, a real um, um oh, oh yeah I, I should have said that one yeah <laughs> <laughs> but that actually kind of stopped me doing it earlier even though I did my first gig at 21 years of age I, I, I almost wanted to do it earlier and I kind of decided I, I wouldn't because I 
I liked comedy too much and I was never going to be as good as, um, you know, yeah. Seinfeld or Letterman. That's or, a good point. That yeah. doesn't come up so often, but I think lots of people think that. You know, it's not necessarily the fear of being heckled that stops you. It's no. the fear of going, well, I don't want to tarnish the thing I love. It's almost like a guitarist. Like, you, you, you think of guitarists as going... One day I'm going to be Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, right. You don't really think of them as going, oh, I don't want to piss on the idea of Jimi Hendrix by trashing well, t- this, you know. T- totally. Um, I, I just didn't, I thought, I, I could, I guess what I didn't know about comedy was how much better you get at it by doing it. That's yeah. something that a lot of people don't know. I mean. That's I, a really good point. Um, yeah. I, I, I thought you kind of had it or you didn't and you, you sunk or swam um, within your first few gigs. Sure. And that was it. And I didn't really realise that the, the more you work at it, um, the better you become in most cases. Mm. Yeah, obviously, you have to have a, a basis of natural talent. Do you, do you think anyone can be turned into a comedian? I don't think so, no. I used to. I think, I think um, there's people who are just naturally... I don't know Jason Burns' process. He's someone that strikes me as just having funny bones. He doesn't... I don't know how much actual work he does <laughs> or whether he just can... Or, or he just makes it appear effortless. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's difficult to tell that because yeah. we, we can all we've seen acts that you go, it appears effortless, but I know how much the work is going on. Yeah, and then there are acts where you go, maybe this is just effortless. I mean, I've interviewed Andrew Andrew Maxwell for the show, and mm-hmm. he basically said he doesn't write; he just spends all day reading, researching, looking at the internet, and watching telly, and just goes on and talks about what he thinks. Wow! And you sort of go, you probably do, you fucker. Yeah, do you probably. Know I mean? <laughs> yeah. He's like a savant or something, though. Isn't he? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I think someone like yeah, someone with Jason Burns kind of natural um, ability to you know um, entertain. Um, possibly this is just the way I'm reading it, not knowing his process. He doesn't necessarily have to put in as much work as as other people who ma- maybe don't have just that natural funniness, and sure. they need to be cleverer on stage. Okay. And I don't say that in a in a, in a disparaging no, way about Jason at all. But they, you, you've just got to work harder at being saying clever things they yeah. don't just come naturally to <laughs> to people on stage sometimes so yeah. so what was your first gig were you trying to say clever things were you trying to banter what was you yeah no I was definitely trying to say clever things um I I was very studious and it was it's one of the I'm, I'm pathologically lazy I'm quite clever but I'm very very lazy and um and it was one of the first things I really tried. and I was at university at the time but this is one of the first things I really really tried hard to Mm. to do and, and spent hours and hours and hours writing and perfecting and um, and, and rehearsing um, and so my first gig was in the Wellington Fringe Festival and it was hosted by Benjamin Crellin who is another mm-hmm. Kiwi comic who's done some work in the UK um, and uh, he was you know he was a kind of um, up and coming comic in New Zealand at the time and, and had his own kind of uh, late night chat show in the, in the Fringe Festival and um We'd, we'd become friends, and um, he thought I was a funny guy or whatever, and we had fun conversations together, and he, and he booked me for my first gig. So, and back, was, yeah. was that back in the days when people would try and convince other people to start? Yeah. Very different totally. now. <laughs> totally, yeah. Totally, yeah. Oh, well, you, you'd be great at this. It's loads of fun. Come and join in. Yeah, join <laughs> the party. Yeah. Yeah, and which it was, because no one was getting, making any money back then. Yeah, sure. Certainly not here. And... It's it's something that I, I kind of uh, miss is that there were people like well like Reese Darby for example who lived in Christchurch and heard about this place called the Classic Comedy Bar and moved to Auckland just to do more gigs and mm. you know he was you were getting forty bucks a gig mm-hmm. um, he wasn't certainly he, he moved to Auckland to go on the dole mm-hmm. 
just to do more gigs and mm. um, and that, people don't really do that anymore yeah sure I think they yeah I suppose the equivalent would be moving to London or Manchester or Edinburgh sure. in order to find a scene but I think now there's very much the idea that and and that will be not if it's not you know it's not like the uh, the path is you know paved with gold but I think people do think there's something out there beyond me having a good time and expressing myself yes I think you're right um so let, let's let's. Oh, sorry. I don't no, know, you know, no, no, I don't know what I was going to say. Anyway, let's uh, let's talk about the clever things. What were your first lot of clever things? What were you What were you writing about at the time? Very heavily influenced by Seinfeld, I think, at the time. Oh, and he was your big guy. Okay. He was my big guy. So very observational. Um, you know, very. Did you ever notice? It was two thousand one, so that wasn't quite so passe. And, yeah. Uh, hey, no one's noticed anything. <laughs> Quick, let's start noticing stuff. Yeah. Um, so let me think. I, I mean, you know, I, a, a typical sort of open spot fear of there was a there was an advert on the time uh, at the time that was for for sanitary pads actually that was quite strange. So uh, an, an analysis of that. Um, I didn't really know who I wanted to be on stage. So that, it was yeah, there was a bit of observational, uh, a bit of a bit of rude, um, which I can't quite remember now. Um, I even think I. Did half a song parody, which is awful. <laughs> awful oh, like a pop song with the change the lyrics. Yeah, where it oh, changes the lyrics. Oh, come on. Yeah, I know. But yeah, hey, so there's honesty. You want honesty there too? I did a song parody. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Very good. Um, so you put all that stuff together from when you're... Because you're an observationist now. Yeah, I guess so, so, yeah. So in the beginnings of your... You kind of growing those antenna for observations. Let's just talk about those for a while. Sure. What... What's the secret, do you think, of a good observation? Or what, 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 were you, what did you think it was then from your, your interest in Seinfeld? What were you taking from him? What the most right, so what he does, which I think is um, very unique, is he doesn't personalise observations. Um, he, well, I, I think maybe it was the style of the time and you could kind of get away with it back then because it was so new. But he does go, did you ever notice? Or do you ever notice this? And whereas I can't, you know, I don't think you can do that anymore. I think to, to make an observation work, it has to be from your unique worldview. So, okay. so I, yeah, I, that's interesting. Can you think? Does anyone at the moment? Can you think of any acts that do person or not personality free, but totally universal observational stuff? Um, I mean, so would someone like McIntyre do that? It's not like I he's going. So. I feel like this about such and such. No, true. In fact, yeah, McIntyre or um, or Carl Barron from Australia. Um, yeah. It's it's just not as common now, I guess. Maybe as I'm not saying it's passe, but it's. Um, I think people want a little bit more of you in your comedy mm. now. Maybe. Yeah, it's funny to think we just named two, and I don't know Carl Barron's reputation. I've heard mm. of him. I know he's successful. Very successful. Just in terms yeah. of you know, we've named Seinfeld and McIntyre. Go, I don't think people want that. No, <laughs> do you know what I mean? True, true, true. <laughs> it's quite. Yeah, you're right. I'm not disagreeing with you, but I think. Um, no. I, I do wonder if, like, my, my stuff is sort of super personal. And I sometimes wonder, am I tripping over my own feet? Talk, you know, how much do people care about my life experience? Maybe what they want to do is imprint their life experience on what you're saying. You know, they want, to a certain extent, they want you, the comic, to disappear. So they can mm. go, oh, I'm like that. Do yeah. Think, maybe? Yeah, well, that's, that's certainly what, what those guys do. To, and very skillfully. Maybe, maybe, maybe more the point is I can't do that particularly well. Sure, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you started, that was, we were just talking about how you yeah. started off, you were trying to do, you, you're invisible, this is the thing that's out there, were you? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here's, here's something that I noticed, which you probably all noticed too. I, maybe it's, maybe 
maybe it's easier to personalize it as well. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. To, to to do an invisible, as you say, observation, you uh, it has to be completely and totally universal. That's it. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. You could because if you do an observation that only half the room have observed, yeah, you can fudge it by going, and it made me feel like this. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And then there's something that can scoop up the other people. That oh yeah yeah. Right. And you bring your character into it, and you know if and and, and if people don't necessarily uh, relate to the observation that you've made, then they can kind of go, oh yeah, but you would because you're a sure. scruffy, overweight New Zealander. So yeah, they can see <laughs> yeah. it through your eyes yeah. rather than the observation being so good that they see it through their own eyes. Oh, I'm quite excited by that. I think we've hit something. <laughs> hey, that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but maybe that's the thing when you're when you're starting out and you don't have any confidence in your own ability um, or, or the ability for the audience to like you. Mm. Um, uh, you don't really you don't personalise things so much because um, I don't know. Well, I certainly didn't. I just didn't think people would care what I thought. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And did you did you find that they did? Obviously, that changed over over time. Yeah, I think just um, it's a, you know it's such a. Um, a life-changing thing to start being good at comedy because, well, it just gives you confidence out of that you've never found before. Yeah. And um, with you know, it's, it's maybe false confidence. Yeah. You start That's walk- interesting. Yeah. yeah. But you start walking around thinking, yeah, people do care what I think. Yeah. Right. Were you a were you a, a particularly shy or unconfident sort of a kid or is it just that it made you see the world in a different way uh no i certainly wasn't a shy or unconfident kid um i've never had any problem there (laughs) but uh but i think everybody at that age early you know late teens early 20s particularly is is self-conscious yeah you you question everything a single instinct Mm. you've ever had don't you Mm. yeah and you're i'm just wondering we might be getting ahead of ourselves here but who do you think you are to your audience now? Um, well, most on, on stage, I mean, right? You know, yeah. Um, you mean? I, I, I'm quite sure what you mean. Do you mean like um, you know? Because they 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 feel they know me because I'm on the telly. Or? No, no, absolutely no, no, not. No, no. I mean, okay. just if if an audience who had never seen you before saw you, oh, I'm right. sort of asking, what's your relationship oh, to them? Are you kind of like? the guy that tells the truth about the world are you like their friend are you like their dad are you like you know what I mean what's, what's sure oh okay cool and uh, it's not really... you know there may not be a specific answer but yeah no that's a really good question I, I, I don't know I get um, and a lot of Australasian comics get this as the uh, I get guy guy down the pub um, yeah okay a lot yeah um, which I think I read um, Asher Trelevin who's uh, do you know him uh, very of well, course yeah, you yeah. do yeah um, he's one of your people <laughs> he's <laughs> Friend of the show, Carney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I read that on, on Twitter that he'd got a guy down the pub, uh, um, a review which he which he didn't enjoy. Oh God! Uh, what well, that liked him, but in yeah, a way that he didn't. But he's like he's like a guy that you'd meet down the pub and tell you a yeah. <laughs> I don't know what pub. <laughs> um, so he's I, the guy that you meet down that. the fetish club. You know. <laughs> so yeah, okay, but you you get a guy down the pub kind of a way. I'm, I suppose. It's interesting. I'm just. I'm, I think what I'm matching up is. Oh, I, I got onto this. Was you saying that you, that you have a, a relationship with the world? You know, you have a confidence with. Oh, world. I see. And you right. certainly come across as very confident on stage. When I saw you last week at the classic mm-hmm. doing a set, you were very. I mean, I know you were talking about being a dad as well, but sure. you were quite sort of paternal. Right. Do you know what okay, I mean? Cool. Something, particularly, there was a lot of young yeah. people in the audience, and 
But there's also, you know, you're a big guy, you're beardy, mm. you were talking about your daughter. It really felt like, um, oh, he's, a, he's actually... It's kind of it's definitely man down the pub rather than boy down. Boy, the pub. Oh, right, you know okay, I mean? yeah, you know I mean? sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess that's come with age and experience uh, doing comedy. We never, uh, my kind of this is kind of it's kind of cheesy, but it's my mantra. Do it, do it. I'm going to do it. Uh, if, if, if a young comic ever asks me for advice, the thing I always say is, don't ask them if you're funny. Tell them you're funny, and I don't mean actually say hi, I'm funny. <laughs> yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like with the way that you deliver, you always tell them that you're funny. Yeah, don't okay. go. That's why new material never ever quite works the same as when you've done it a few times and you like it and you're confident with it. Sure. Because you're going out there going, "Hey, do you guys like this?" And I don't think that w- w- is ever, yeah, as ever as good. It gives them space to go, maybe not. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, um, yeah. So, um, I, yeah, I guess that's yeah. And, and, and I talk about this on stage as well. When you become a father, you just you know, you've made someone with your dick. So you don't. You don't really care about what other people think anymore. Yeah, okay. Okay, that's interesting to hear you say. I, I think I've, I've, I'm, there's a bit of material I'm considering putting in my show at the moment, which is about my desire to be a dad. Yeah. And, and I don't know whether I'll put it in, so I don't know if it breaks some sort of contract between the performer and the audience. But I, one of my concerns is, oh, if I have a kid, I might not give a fuck about comedy anymore. Right, so my this is, this is my piece of material that I'm doing at the moment. It's in my show about where dad humour comes from because we all know dad humour and that uh, and that is something that's been explored by other comics. There's no doubt about that. But what I'm trying to say is uh, is dad humour comes from men really not caring about what the rest of the world thinks of them anymore at all. Yes, I see. Because okay. you've made your own people. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. That's <laughs> and, interesting. And yeah. as a comedian, you have to care. I have to care what people think of my humour. Because that's my job, so I've, it's keeping the dad humor away is so it's, it's a constant battle. Oh, is, that, <laughs> is that is that true? That's yeah, it's, observation. It's, it's, it's not yeah. going for the cheesy laugh because what the fuck? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually nice. That's a very yeah. wholesome sentiment. <laughs> Trying my best to have it not creep in. So finally, we get to hear from Daddy Comedy. Um, I think that's a very good point about people passing down advice uh, from one comic to another. It's uh, it's nice when you ask for it. It's nice when people proffer it unsolicited. But it isn't always, and I am terrible for giving out unsolicited advice to people um, who I... I was going to say who I consider beneath me. That's not what I meant at all, but on the ladder. on some Beneath me on the metaphorical uh, ladder. Um, and equally, people who are uh, many, many rungs above me as well. I just love going... I mean, who doesn't? Who doesn't like to say to someone... Oh, do you know what? You could tweak that bit and here's a tag. But equally, I'm a bastard for going up to people I barely know and saying, ah, you know, quality control, that joke dragged you down. (laughs) I'm really trying to put an end to it. So apologies to anyone in the past I've done that to. Um, But yes, great. Thank you to Ben for coming along for the show. Really enjoying this one. Um, I've got some previews, some little bits and bobs to plug. If you're in the UK, if you're in London, on the 10th of June, I'll be doing a preview at the Harrison. You can look up the Harrison pub, that's near Euston. Have a Google of that. Uh, I'm doing an hour, as is the brilliant... 
Canadian madman John Hastings. So that'll be a lot of fun, the 10th of June. And at the 18th of June at the Pleasance London, that's just me, myself and I doing a, a little preview there. Come along to either of those. I've now, by the time you hear this, I'll have done something like 12 shows here in uh, uh, in Auckland and Wellington and uh, it's really taking shape I'm very excited, I'm very pleased about it um, as ever, this is awful this is a, a scummy, a low use of my podcast, but if you are a booker and you've got any preview space, I really don't want the show to lag between me getting back to the UK at the end of May and going up to Edinburgh at the end of July so if you do have a preview space and you'd like a pretty pretty ready Edinburgh show, I hope um, uh, in that space, then do give me a shout, info at comedianscomedian.com. On the subject of Edinburgh, I've got some great news. Alistair Trembley Birchall, who you'll remember from an episode a year ago or so, uh, is coming to Edinburgh with an insane show where he tries to list everything. I've not spoken to Alistair, I've just heard this from some other acts. Um, and I've always hoped that if I've introduced you to a guest, if there's someone that you didn't know about, that you, my lovely listenership, would then mob them when they came over to the UK. So please make that happen. Give Alistair Trembley Birchall a crowd at Edinburgh. I don't have any details on his show i'm just putting his name in your head reminding you he was he, this was the guy we talked to about the mathematical formulas of jokes he's very very exciting so please give alistair a crowd this edinburgh and that will help make me look like some sort of mysterious and benevolent force in comedy that would be uh, that would be nice for everyone um, uh, thank you very much for your, your emails and your tweets. I've had some very kind feedback from lots of you, as ever. Uh, the Kerry Marks podcast went down very well, and I, I will get him back on the show. We could have talked for hours more. He's so intelligent and so funny. So uh, lots and lots of uh, more stuff to talk about with Kerry. I hope we'll do that in due course. Um, and, oh, yes, I mentioned offers of stuff. Uh, if you would like to do a live ComCom, I've got a couple of those in the pipeline, possibly at the Stourbridge Festival. There's possibly another one at Stoke-on-Trent coming up. If there's particular comics you know that live near those areas that you think would be uh, good on the show, do give me a shout. Um, and as well, I may regret this, but on Facebook, if you remember the Facebook group, I, I've noted, I've, I want to just make a little inroad for you to recommend some people for me to go and see this Edinburgh. I'm beginning to realise that I need to widen the circle of the comedians I know. People, you know, there's a lot of people I gig with on the circuit, but there's also a lot more new and exciting people coming through. For example, Matt Ewins. I've talked about Matt on the show before. I'm a huge fan of his. He's on his fourth hour this year. He still hasn't really smashed the roof in terms of profile he hasn't kind of broken through um but he's a, a genuinely mental and brilliant act so people like matt ewins who you think i may not have heard of people who've done a couple of hours i'm not looking for absolute newbies at the, at the moment but if you've done a couple of three hours no not if you this is okay this is the thing this is how it's going to work if you i would like you to recommend specific acts on the facebook page for me to take a look at in edinburgh people you think i won't have heard of people who are newish but not so new that they haven't kind of got themselves figured out um and leave me a sample joke if you i mean there's only there's what there's 1500 people on the facebook group so i don't think it's too public a, a forum to do that um if you are championing someone, that's it. That's exactly it. Don't just be like, I like this guy. If you are championing someone, then put a note on the Facebook group and I will try very hard to get to see them at Edinburgh. Um, I tend to go and see, you know, between seeing my friends and the people I see every year, that's already 60 plus shows, but uh, I'm going to try and widen the net. So do that. And that's only to that's only to comics. I'm afraid I won't be taking suggestions from uh, PR people or agents or, uh, at this stage. Um, I'd just like to get the kind of the word on the street rather than uh, obviously there'll be people who, who have to champion people in a professional context. This is in a strictly non-professional context. 
Um, so just send me one sentence of one act I should know about and get on the Facebook group to do that. Uh, you can easily find that on Facebook, of course. And thank you, finally, for donating. Of course, your your generosity never ceases to amaze me. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Comedianscomedian.com and hit the PayPal button to donate whatever you like to the show. Um, I've really been enjoying adopting this model of giving away free stuff and asking for donations if you want to give them. I've been handing out free copies of my, my album, Princess Uncle Stew, here in New Zealand. And actually, people respond really well to the idea of, of saying, this is free or you can give me five bucks. Some pay, some don't. Everyone feels great about life. So the same rules apply here. Feel free to support the show. Feel free not to. But if you'd like to, then pick a figure and hit the PayPal button at comedianscomedian.com. 5, 10, 20, I nearly said bucks, I've become naturalised. 5, 10, 20 quid or whatever the equivalent is in your local currency. Uh, And again, if you're a high roller, then you can really impress me by donating a pound a show for the ones you've listened to. As ever, please don't set up a regular payment. For some reason, they just don't seem to work. I'll get on this, I promise. That's all the blurb for now. Now let's get back to Daddy Comedy, Mr Ben Hurley. You back as a as a comic starting out, mm-hmm. trying to be clever, not yes. not having learned those lessons about confidence and not being a dad at the time. Like yes. the rest of it. What was it you were sort of searching for, or what was it you were giving the audience then? Why why do you think you were successful enough to continue? Um, I just yeah, I mean it was. Did you have good jokes? Did, I did. I did, had good did, jokes. Okay. I had good jokes, and I found though. That my second year doing comedy was is probably still to this day the hardest year I've ever done comedy. It wasn't my first year. I had a really great five that, as I said, I was very studious about um, about writing and perfecting. And you were honing it rather than chucking in new stuff all the time. You were going, let's get this to work. Let's get That's, this to work. Yeah, I never. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It took me ages to get my head round. No, no, no. Yeah. Have an incredible. 10 or right. five or whatever that always works I'd be going oh, I've got to kind of prove that I can make funny stuff about everything so you know right. five years in you're like great so I've, got, I've got an hour of stuff that half works <laughs> you right. know, or whatever or two hours or whatever you tried to jump up the mountain <laughs> oh yeah classic <laughs> goldsmith yeah <laughs> um, and in my second year because I had this amazing five um, I was getting booked to do longer sets of course and I always said yes um out of A, necessity, and B, slight arrogance. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, hey, yeah. man, you know, the, 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 the arrogance engendered, I think, by having an incredible five that I works, guess so, yeah. And then that five ends and you've got five left. I mean, Babiglia talks about this, of just going, oh, I, I thought I had longer. <laughs> and it's just suddenly, oh, I'm not magic anymore. Yeah, Yeah. well, that's the thing. I, I, I used to just do the sandwich thing. I'd put my, my good, a good two at the start and a good three at the end and have filler for... Bit of, bit of a chat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where, where are you from, yeah. sir? Yeah. <laughs> um, and the other thing was because there was just not a, a lot of gigs around and I kind of had to take everything, but also um, also I, I, got, I got influenced by other people then. I saw real live comics and someone like Lovegrove, Brendan Lovegrove, who was just incredible with the crowd... No, um, I've not. I've met Brendan. Right. I've never been in the room. I've never seen his act. I'm right. aware of his kind of stature. I know his show this year is called Twenty Years, which yeah. is like a slam. Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, really. So, what what does he do that that inspired you specifically? Yeah. You don't need to. You know, no, no. He, um, he he was just the best live comic in the country, and so he um, he was great with the crowd. He doesn't really talk to the crowd as much anymore. He had great jokes, but he was just so great. It just you know, who who are you? And what do you do? Mm. And um, and at the time, I'd never seen that before. I'd never seen someone on their feet just yeah. talk and just have it. And 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 me, go, and, you know, as a, someone who who was a new comic, who was so studious over my material, to go, 
wow, I don't think he's done a joke in 20 minutes. Mm. And he probably had, mm. but just was very good at hiding that. Um, but yeah, just, just going, who, who are, and he was, you know, he was dangerous and, and offensive and, um, and just kind of exciting rock and roll guy. So uh, it, it kind of very much changed um, the kind of uh, comic I wanted to be and what I found exciting and interesting from, you know, TV-friendly Seinfeld to, um, to, to Royal, real dirty real on, life on, on your feet is a really good expression he was on his feet absolutely yeah, right. on his feet yeah and, I'm, and, and when I was oh, I, th- I saw Ross Noble early on as well and just was blown away and that was really annoying because he was like three years older than me yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah they, it's, uh, it's some there's, an, there's a, a theory that goes back and forth with some of the people I, uh, I interview about whether or not comedy is a meritocracy mm. whether or not that's true it's certainly true that you are not better because you're older or because there's no do you know what I mean you can no, that no. feeling of being eclipsed and going oh oh here's a 17 year old that's just got the best joke I've ever heard and you kind of go great yeah, totally. I, I think the only yeah the only thing that age gives you is um, is more problems. So you've got a, um, you've got more stuff to draw on. You know. Yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You can. You're more universal because you've lived through more experiences. Yeah, yeah. And you get respect from more uh, for more of the audience. So yes. if you and you must have come across this a, a bit with your youthful looks that certain material that you've done. Some people, particularly early on, just wouldn't believe that you've yeah. experienced that. Yeah, sure. Would you? Would you? Yeah, that? I, I think so. I think so. I think I definitely. I, yeah, I, it's a funny one. I um, I'm quite pretty, yes. and so whether or not I'm looking youthful specifically, I do look like I don't have any problems. Yeah, and that's a similar, maybe a similar sort of territory. I don't know that I ever noticed it in terms of my youth because, as we know, I came into this from. You know, I'd already She's done performing. performance right, for 10 right, years. Right, right. Yeah. I'm not saying that word anymore. I'm just... <laughs> basically, my audience have started having a go at me for always mentioning it. I didn't say the word. My point is, before <laughs> I was a stand-up, I did other stuff for 10 years. Okay. So I felt like I had a certain amount of um, uh, either confidence or, I don't want to say gravitas, but I had a kind of a connection that I think got over the youthful thing. But I do think that I sometimes look a bit sort of squeaky clean or... Sure. You know, delicate. Yeah, yeah. Because I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's, uh, you know, come a, a couple of younger co- comics that I've mentored over the years. I've, I've just said, you know, I don't know that you can swear as much as you are because it, it just for some reason it's kind of great. Oh, so you I'm, said that to younger comics. Yeah. Okay. And, and it kind of it looks it, like you're showing off as totally. well when you're a kid. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And now my wanking jokes, and you're like, okay, you're excited that you can say that. Uh, yeah, and what yeah. nobody enjoys. Sure. Whereas you know Mike Wilmot, to, to go back to him, like yeah, he's a, such, such an old grizzled uh, soul that you you kind of yeah that guy's yeah he <laughs> has good. earned the right to describe his balls slapping around yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 once they can slap around like that you're allowed to talk about it yeah <laughs> um, and I think uh, also it's not just about rudeness either it's about if you're going to say if you're going to make an observation about the world it's um, uh, age it definitely helps. Yes, like, yes, I think so. Yeah, it's, no one wants to hear a nineteen-year-old go. Yeah, I'm telling you what the problem with women yeah, is. Sure, <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Unless they're a nineteen-year-old in a room full of eighteen-year-olds. <laughs> you know what I mean? Unless like a student gig where you see people preening and prowling around yeah, yeah. student gigs, going, "Oh yeah, I'm 21, mate. I've seen some things." <laughs> <laughs> so you're um, 
how long were you a comic here before you decided to make the, the leap to, to work in the UK? Uh, four years, or three and a half, four years. Um, I, there's an award here called the Billy T Award, yeah. and I won that, and that's... That's like, for people that don't know, that's kind of like the Perrier, except they... Newcomer, I mean, though. It's a newcomer. Yeah. But you, you get nominated, and then the winner is revealed like six months later, that's after right. all the nominees are given help and support and photo shoots. And, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's exactly what the awards in Edinburgh, the newcomer awards, should be. Sure. But I guess can no longer be, because people deliberate, you know, I don't know if you know, people in Edinburgh do that thing of like taking a 39-minute show up three years running, so they're not eligible for newcomer. Wow, and then they do a forty-one minute or whatever it is. Like, you know, I don't know. Amazing, but yeah, I just I, I want to make it clear I'm not knocking the current Edinburgh Newcomer Awards because I think it has spiralled out of control to the extent that you couldn't do that again. You'd need to start another. I'm so jealous. I think it's incredible the circuit here, and I love the way that that the idea of a newcomer award is infused with these guys are great. We're proud of them. Let's help them rather than yeah. Let's try and pick a winner. And then I'll, you know, that'll it's fraught with its own problems. Don't is it? Is it really? Well, well, no, no, no. I, I, you know, like people, no matter what the situation, people will always have a bit of a whinge. So, uh, yeah, sure, <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. And I'm aware I'm coming to this as an alien, popping mm. here for a week or two at a time, having the best time of my life. Yeah, sure. Rather than seeing it, you know, grind through a year of. Oh, I, I did it once. You know, some people have been nominated five times. I think that's the the limit. Um, I did it once and won it, and it was the greatest mm. thing because it was. Uh, it was a really hard process. Really hard. I mean, it's six months of thinking about it and stressing about it. Uh, you know, and, and what, how's it resolved in the end? You So you get nominated and mm-hmm. then you write a show. Yeah. To, you to come justify up with a your nomination. Yeah. You, come, you, oh, go, you go pitch okay. it because it's a grant, you see, rather than a prize. Oh, I see. So you go and pitch your show to the board and, they, and then you do a, a gig. There's so you pitch once night. you're nominated or you're nominated on the strength of your pitch? I pitch and the audition that night. Okay, okay. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, which, you know, it's just a normal gig and you go do five, six minutes or something. And, yeah, then you're, then five nominees and then you basically, you write your show from there. Um, I mean, you could, could have written it previously, but um, no one has. Mm. And, uh, you know, and, and all the photo shoots and all that stuff, it's really great, but it is, um, it is, you know, a lot of work pressure. and a lot of focus and a lot of pressure yeah. on, on younger, younger comics to be thinking about that for... Uh, six months but having said that I don't think there's any I don't think it's necessarily better to do it the, sure. the Perrier way sure um, uh, the, the so, Edinburgh Comedy Award yeah right? whatever it's yeah, called yeah. Yeah. at the moment yeah was it Foster's for a while it was oh maybe it's still Foster's it was it was the if dot comedy for one that's right year. <laughs> I think Phil won when it, when it was there yes yes yeah. I think so yeah it did yeah <laughs> yeah and then there was one year where the, the panel prize went to everyone that's done a show Oh, Thanks really? for turning up. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's great. Awesome. So yeah, uh, yeah. So I won that, and that gave us seven thousand New Zealand dollars. So I went to the UK with, with that to um, to start out, and I was very, very fortunate early on um, in that. I'd met some really great comics here in in New Zealand um, during the festival who. I'd a gotten along with, and B they thought I was pretty good, mm-hmm. um, and they helped me get started. And so, who, like British guys, yeah. Uh, who who were those? Uh, so Andy Parsons, yeah. Um, Phil Nickel, who I previously mentioned, um, Stuart Lee, mm-hmm. um, and also Stu gave me a place to live mm. for four months. Yeah, which great. I'm eternally grateful sure. for. And um, uh, and it meant I didn't have to get a day job. So uh, and oh and um, sorry. Reese Darby's wife Rosie 
she um, was working for Jonglers at the time, and although she couldn't get me straight into those clubs, mm-hmm. she did have influence elsewhere, and um, I got a call on the second day I was ever in the UK from Jeff Whiting, who just filled my diary on, yeah, on, Rose, right. on Rosie's recommendation. Great. Yeah, so I was straight in, and, um, and, I, and I could do... You know those sort of um, mirth control gigs during the week. And were you, you opening, closing? What sort of? How uh, long were you doing? I was either closing or or comparing, okay. um, which was you know the closing ones. I was I was right at the edge of what I could do, probably. Yes. Yeah. Now, that's one of the great things about mirth control. There's lots of very good things about mirth control. Yes. There's lots of questionable. You know, people have experiences yeah. that they might come away going, "Was this useful for anyone?" Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. But one of the very useful things is it does. It's great for you going, I can definitely do that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, you'll totally. get opportunity. Totally. Yeah. So I, I th- Certainly I, in the way we knew it now. I guess. Yeah, yeah. You have control you know, in terms of the, the volume of acts now, but yeah. I, I was also very focused about a year before I went that I would only write internationally um, with oh, well done. material. Yeah, yeah. Where, well whereas spotted. Now, yeah. <laughs> whereas, yeah. So I, I had a really good 30. I didn't, my 40 was a stretch. Uh, so closing was a bit was a bit ropey, um, but what they did was it, it it freed me up to be able to do open spots for the actual weekend clubs. Ah, uh, yeah, that's Beca- great because obviously that most of those mirth control gigs are all during the week. Sure, yeah, sure, yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. Absolutely. I mean, I remember that from my own experience. Mm. That is really useful because. You have to do a kind of an internal sum, don't you? Go okay. It's a hundred quid to close Guildford on a Wednesday, yes, and uh, or on a Friday. But if I avoid that hundred quid on a Friday, then I can do an open spot for somewhere that maybe is going to pay me two hundred quid in two years. Two years. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, so yeah, that was my early, and um, it all just yeah, I just worked really hard. I just said yes to every single gig I could, and I also got some resident comparing. Which okay. was amazing as well. What was the visa situation? Could you just work there, or were you? Yeah, no, I, I, no, we're allowed um, because we are a colony, mm-hmm. New Zealand. We're allowed two years. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah. and then because I was there three and a half, and then I was sponsored because I uh, got representation with um, Brett Vincent. Oh, great. Okay. Yes. Oh, yeah. Of course, we were with Brett. I yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Okay. So you were doing what sort of work? Were you still doing observational stuff there? Was there more? Was the personality starting to come through? It was. If I'm honest, I was so um, that first year, I was so just scared and um, and wanting to impress. Um, you know, it was all still mine, but it was all very. Oh, I've noticed this about Britain. Oh, I've noticed this about Britain. Sure. Oh, you do this about Britain. It was all. It was all fairly safe stuff. That, um, that's that interesting to hear that as, as be described as safe I agree with you I know what you mean mm. I wonder if as a new comic in a strange place you feel like I've got to prove that I can do observations about here mm. whereas maybe it's a, a more kind of uh, ballsy tactic or a more confident tactic to go no I'm going to give them my act it is, it's, it's weird isn't it it's, kind it's of way more ballsy to give them your act yeah. Way more ballsy. I, 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 it took me two years probably to actually just. I do, you know. Obviously, I do a couple of minutes at the start of, but they were. I, I thought they were genuinely um, 
unique observations as opposed to the, the same ones as you, know, mm. you, you guys drink a lot and mm. you know uh, I don't know the, the girls wear nothing in the north yeah you sure, know? sure. <laughs> they were your own obviously they were your own yeah, yeah. And, but then I would do my act and I, know I would even talk about being from because um, I'm from small town New Zealand I'm from mm. country New Zealand so uh, you know I I, um, I even started talking about that and stuff and it was all and it all seemed to go pretty well by the time I did my last thing I did when I was in the UK was my last major thing was I um, supported Ed Byrne on tour for um, four months and by that time I was doing very little local and just doing I think I was doing 25 to half an hour before him and yeah, it was all. I was, it was all stuff I was genuinely proud of, and it wasn't. And I was really, I'd really moved away from just the standard observations, I guess, mm. about Britain. I remember. I'm just having memory surfacing of your, a bit of your stuff that I must have. We did work together a lot. I remember yeah. the uh, the uh, Kiwi Navy throwing mm. their flip flops at people. Yeah, yeah. So stuff like that. That was like a signature bit, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Like in that, you know, they, people had loved that, and and. and um, but, you know, it's not... Here it's a bit of a, a joke now that comedians all do jokes about how we've got no Navy or Army. Yes, sure, <laughs> so, sure, sure. So but the, in the day, that was your... You know, yeah. it wasn't like that was a hack thing. That was you just no. describing a facet of life. There. Yeah, okay. yeah, and, and, and something kind of, you know, that the Br- British people would enjoy laughing at how tiny we are and cute. Sure. Yeah. And, I do. It does make me laugh, actually, every so often when whenever on the show I kind of interview someone and we casually describe a topic as hack, that's a whole conversation in itself where the stuff is hack. Sure, 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 yeah. sure. And whether there's such a thing. But as soon as we slag off a, an idea or a joke, I do imagine listeners going, oh, I just have to bin my Kiwi Navy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and good, and good. Let's all think harder. Yeah. 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 I can't remember who said it to me. It was a great piece of advice. It might have even been Kerry Marks. He, sa- I, he said that the, everybody's first thought on a subject shouldn't be what the comedian says. Yes, yeah, well, Arthur Smith says something similar on this, and the second yeah. thought is the thing that clever people think of, yes. and you've got to do the third thought. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great piece of advice. Yeah, yeah and, and so, you know, if you think New Zealand Navy, everyone's first thought was, oh, what would that be? That's probably a tiny little boat. You yeah, know? right. And, and, you know, while those things can be really universal and, and kind of recognisable and, and work in a comedy club situation, um, I think if you can challenge yourself and go one step further they're, at least. They're the first yeah. things that when you are reminded of a bit of your material from five, ten years ago, yeah. it's those things that most make you go, oh, yeah, I mean, I did do that totally. and it was fine. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I, you know, I also had to pay my rent, so I, I needed to get into all these places and, it, and I definitely did play a long game. And the, the, the sort of changing moment was I'd been back, I always came back to New Zealand to do the comedy festival. And I did, I came back and I did the big show, which you are doing this year. I was doing last year. Sorry, yeah. last year. Yeah. Um, which is a lineup show. And I was the compare, as you were, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sometimes, yeah. Um, and, and that was really great. And, it, I, and you know, it was, it was really fun. And then the following year, oh, sorry, the, at the end of that run, which was really successful, um, Scott Blanks, the promoter in New Zealand, owner mm-hmm. of the Classic, said, I will give you the Classic next year for two weeks mm-hmm. if you have a 100% new hour. Mm-hmm. And so I went back to the UK and I had to write a, a, a new hour in, well, less than, a, less than a year. It was about eight months by that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was great. Because I, cause I, every, every single gig I did, without, without you know, jonglers, the glee clubs, anywhere, even when I was trying to impress, I would put a new joke in, at least. Mm-hmm. 
and and um, you know, and, and and those that time on the train going home is just invaluable. Oh, you so, were right. Are you right post gig? Yeah. Yeah, I never do that. Really, I should do that. Yeah. I come on stage and go, oh, thank God, I'm done, I'm shriven. I've got, ah, oh, you know, <laughs> really? I write a lot during the day, you know, I write, right, right. I find really valuable time is writing before the gig. I try and get to gigs earlier. Sure. I get there an hour or two earlier so that I can right. find a cafe. Yeah, because yeah. then I've got all the adrenaline of, holy shit, I've got, you know, my quality control is so much better because I'm thinking, mm-hmm. no, I have to save this thing that I'm writing <laughs> right, to an right. actual audience in an right. hour or two. I can't just write anything, write any old bollocks and go, oh, this is brainstorming, I'll come back to it later. Right. Yeah, that's oh, interesting. Yeah, right. You know, I was always post gig because you, uh, you know, work on the piece that you've done, and then and then just kind of mime my own head for uh, for other stories and stuff. And that, that show was quite a storyteller show. Mine, 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 my own head. Mine, my own head. Sorry, <laughs> I was like mimo. Oh, this is uh, New Zealand technique. <laughs> I'm a mimo artist. I'm going to patent that right now. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so and it just and, it, and you know because you, you, there's no distractions, and this is the days before smartphones as well. So mm-hmm. I wasn't there's literally no distractions. No distractions yeah. on it. I'm trying. It's unbelievable. I don't know what I'd do now with smartphones. Be on that the whole time. <laughs> so was the plan to go to the UK, train up, and then come home and be brilliant? Well, Stuart, the plan was to go to the UK and earn good money and maybe never come back. But then I met a girl. And I met a girl three months before I went to the UK. And she's now my wife. I flew her over about... She had to finish her degree. but uh, So we, we'd known each other three months. And then there was three months uh, we were apart. And then I flew her to the UK. And so, yeah, she was with me the whole time. And... Um, she, she got a. She, she didn't like the UK after a while, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was kind of the same. I just wanted to be at home, and so what I got out of the UK was it made me good. It made it makes it makes you so much uh, uh, such a better comic than if I'd have stayed here. And is that sim- why is that? Is that simply the volume of gigs, or uh, a the volume yes. and b the um the probably the competitiveness. I mean, I don't think everyone thrives from that, but I certainly did. Yeah. That's odd. I don't think of you as a... You seem quite... And you always talk about being quite a lazy guy. Sure. Oh, and I spoke to you a couple of days ago about this show. You were like, oh, you know, I, if you had the process, it's no process, you know. Yeah, no, no. But I, actually, I, there's, you know... Yeah, you no, I, I, maybe competitive is not the... Like, it, well, it's not competitive in that I want to beat other comics, but it's competitive in that I have to be better than other comics because I need to pay my rent. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like I don't. I don't. I'm lazy. I, I really need to earn that bed, <laughs> <laughs> so I've got to work hard. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I um, yeah. So competitive in that sense. Not I, like you, there's no time to let rest on your laurels, and and I didn't think there was a lot of time to be self indulgent. Not certainly not for me. And I, I'm not a surreal comic or anything. I just can only be what I am. So, you know, I I, I being just a, a regular bloke. Um, Regular straight white male, uh, I, I you know, uh, what one sixteenth Maori? Correct, is that correct? I know <laughs> yeah. on your Wikipedia page. <laughs> yes, not, not enough uh, that I can do jokes about it. Uh, really? uh, <laughs> yeah, do you know I've seen you do a bit and say something and yeah. then go, and I'm a sixteenth uh, Maori mm. or a sixteenth in particular, you yeah, flavour of it. Thing. Like, yeah, iwi, yeah, yes. And I did. Sorry, second. Iwi, it's iwi. the tribe. You're one sixteenth iwi. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, but you, it was definitely a. Uh, 
you were saying it almost as a, a little a comedy climb down after saying something else. Yeah, yeah, no, I like... It's something I've been um, exploring a bit lately is the, 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 the race thing, and I think I live in a, a this sort of liberal, white liberal bubble, and sometimes it just gets a little bit claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can't... People, you know, you talk about race or anything like that, and I just... It starts to irritate me, so I've been talking about it on stage a little bit, not in a racist way, certainly. <laughs> um, no, of course. But uh, but you know, like, the, the accent thing always fascinates me. I've been doing stuff about that, about how you're allowed to do a French accent or a Russian accent, yes, or a, or a Spanish accent, or possibly, or certainly an Irish accent, but you can't do an Indian accent. Mm. I don't know, but anyway, uh, <laughs> kind of beside the point. Is that well? Uh, just to, to digress on that briefly, just mm. on the issue of race and your your one sixteenth Ewe, sure, yes. has that had any effect on your career? Has that have you worked? I mean, is there a, a is there a Maori circuit like there's a black circuit in the UK? <laughs> I did no, there's not. But I did have to. I did get invited to do the Maori and Pacific Island um, comedy show years ago, and I I said no a hundred times, and they kept asking me. So in the end, I. I did, but I and I wrote a new set for it. It was like a TV show, yeah. And I I wrote a new set for it about how I'm a, how I'm a, I'm a Maori that I have to tell you about you know, the fact that I am. Yes, I yeah. see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, okay. And you, you know, like just having a walk out and and, and 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 everyone sort of looked at me and I went, "Yep, that's right. You know, you're at the right show. Don't worry about it." Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's the only thing I probably ever got from. Okay. Know, yeah, yeah. Okay, and there isn't really a, a cultural element to your work particularly. No, not not particularly, no. And is that, why is that? Is that because it's just not a factor of your life? Not a huge one, no. I'd like it to be more, probably, but, um, it's, it's, you know, it's a, 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 yeah, it's a part of my life. I, I, yeah, like, my, it's through my mother's side, and she's, we, we just didn't really live a particularly Maori cultural life, I guess. We lived a pretty normal white middle class life yeah so interesting isn't it yeah. you didn't live like that we lived like normal that's, that's <laughs> that sort of says well, you know, that I, reveals your yeah when I I start, I'm not saying that reveals yeah. a prejudice that reveals how how comprehensively I guess that that's you know yeah, a, yeah, a, I guess a remote I, part of your yeah. identity when I say normal I mean boring <laughs> yeah right yeah. oh you'd like to have been more Maori <laughs> yeah absolutely why is that oh it's just more interesting isn't it having a, a rich culture like that and um Something to I don't know. It's just a, it's a wonderful ancient culture, whereas you know I don't know. Maybe doesn't everybody kind of wish they were? Yeah, certainly. Uh, well, I asked if anyone was in from Scotland the other night, and one bloke went, "Yeah," and I went, "Oh, whereabouts in Scotland?" And his mate went, "He's not," and he said in a Kiwi accent, "He was right. like, no, no, we were like you know my granny sort of thing." Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I think would this, like to have a connection. Yeah, I think that more so in New Zealand than uh, other places I've been as well. It's just that white New Zealanders kind of. Because um, we're relatively new here, you know, I guess they don't feel that much identity with a, you know white New Ze- white middle class New Zealanders, and so yes. there's a, quite a lot of that. I do that too. I've got any Irish, and I, I quite often say, and people will say yes, and you go, oh, how long have you been here? Oh, I was born here, but my yeah, my grandfather's Irish. Well, then yeah. you're not really Irish. Sure, <laughs> yeah. sure. That's interesting. I would I mean, it, it just. I've had a few Kiwi guests on the show. Mm-hmm. Are you my first technical Kiwi guest? I'll be embarrassed if I 
had someone last year I've forgotten Jared but uh, no I had Jared yeah. no, no, right. no I was going to do a live one with Jared he pulled fuck you Jared that's my Jared <laughs> he had a sitcom it's cool we're cool about it <laughs> he, um, he had a sitcom yeah yeah sorry he had a sitcom right? yeah he, at the time he was like oh, I've got a sitcom and uh, and then afterwards I spoke to him he was like yeah it was like one line <laughs> okay that's fine um, <laughs> he still but, said fuck you buddy <laughs> yeah um but just in terms of the, the, the culture of being a, a white or a mostly white mm-hmm. New Zealander, like, are there, what is, what is that, what does that culture mean to you? Does it, is it anything beyond a sort of, I'm a normal bloke with my normal mates and I've got to suffer jokes about sheep when I travel? Um, well, there's, there's definitely some uh, aspects to New Zealand uh, white culture, you know, the kind of laid backness, I think there's, that, that's a reputation we have, um, you know. Uh, go, going to you know all the all the London things as well. When when I was over there, which I didn't really live that life of the typical New Zealander in London, with, okay. in a flat with twenty eight other people sure. and um, doing the harker on the tube and with my shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, we're certainly searching for identity constantly. You know, there's the rugby and the sheep, and the, I'm, I'm struggling right now to mm. think of it. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, I want to talk a bit about uh, writing. There's yes. loads, loads of stuff we can talk about. I just wanted to talk this to finish the story of the 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 other oh, journey. Yes. I, I tried not to say it. You said the word. The, this is my journey. Um, but you, you. <laughs> I think I said it because you started to say it. I did say it. I've got, it I can't. Head. I can't put that on you. That was my <laughs> Um, but you you came back here with this girl, yes, and you married the girl, yes, I and married you got the a girl. kid. Yep. So, but in terms of professionally, when you got back here, did you feel like, whoa, ready break? I've been to the UK. I'm covered in this glow of like I'm a super pro now. Uh, yeah, that certainly showed when I would come back every year to do the festival. Yes, um, it's another New Zealand thing. Maybe it's a colonial thing. Is that we still look for overseas um, legitimacy in our art yeah so for example even to take it away from comedy someone like lord who is huge overseas i'm not sure you know she broke she broke overseas before she did here mm. um but as soon as she was you know number one in the u.s and suddenly she was you know a national hero and, number one in our hearts and number one She's in the our pop, hearts the pop star of our hearts yeah. yeah and there are exceptions to that there are people who are just successful here music wise or comedy wise um who aren't overseas but it definitely helps it definitely kind of fast tracks you so when I came back for the comedy festival every year it, it definitely helped and I'd put on my posters you know fresh back from the UK and did things you, like did that did you ever experience any resentment from UK from Kiwi acts who hadn't been to the UK was there ever any sense of like oh here he comes yes yeah and uh, you don't need to name any names obviously, no but, but you know but you could talk about the experience of that of how that made you feel or was that frustrating you think well of course I'm better I've been working hard yeah, um, I think yeah maybe there's, there was this resentment of or, or or a feeling that I thought I was better and wasn't necessarily, um, uh, or you know that I just had a, a, another level of confidence slash arrogance now. <laughs> so you know I don't, I'm not sure if that um, necessarily endeared me to some people, but most people were absolutely fine and 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 and, and, and were happy to. Um, you know, see me improve or whatever. But the, but when I came back for good, I mean, we were coming back anyway because we were sort of done and we wanted to, you know, come back and, and get married and have a family and things like that. But um, I, I fortuitously 
got a panel show mm. when I was here. This is Seven Days. Seven Days. Which is, and I've looked, I've never seen Seven Days. Sure. I must, I'd like to watch the one that Acaster did one the other week. Yeah, he was, he was but, great. Um, uh, it seems to me, from the description of it online, is that it's kind of a cross between all of the UK. It's like there's a bit of Buzzcocks, there's a bit of I've Got News For You, there's yep. a bit of Mock The Week, there's a bit of... Absolutely. Yeah, all of that sort of stuff. It's like the panel show with all the ideas in it. Absolutely. But, you know, it's it's um, it's topical news, seven days. So, uh, so that's the basis of it. And, uh, yeah, I guess... Probably closer to mock the week than have I got news for you, but um, we we definitely have our own spin and have our own sure, game, yeah, games absolutely. and all that yeah. sort of things. Oh, I, I wasn't yeah. slagging you off. No, 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 yeah. no, 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 that's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess mock the week would be a, its biggest influence. Sure, okay, the other way around. And so you, by, yeah. yeah. And so when you when you got that panel, so do you think that was? Because do you think the fact that you've been away played a part in that? Oh, probably, possibly, probably, possibly. I um, the, the 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 producers of the show who are still the producers of the show were just became fans of mine and um, and they just gave me that break. Mm. And and uh, well, having said that, we didn't know it was going to be a success. So sure, uh, okay. it wasn't like they. Oh, you were in at the for the very beginning. Wasn't yeah, you? yeah. Oh, I did the so pilot yeah. and all that and all that sort of stuff. And um, I didn't know that they necessarily thought that uh, it was going to be as successful as it has been um, mm. they weren't like gifting me a, no, a golden course. ticket sure <laughs> but sure. they definitely gave me a shot and uh, and it, fortunately it's been yeah much like Mock the Week it's it's just a ratings bonanza here and that must have changed your life from you know staying on someone's couch yeah you know like now you are a you are a very viable commodity are you you're a are you in demand what's the, what's the bulk of the work that you're doing given that there there isn't I mean as I understand it there's not like a a circuit circuit in, or a circuit as a, as a British comic would understand it. Sure. Or is there? Uh, more so now than ever. Uh, this, that show, Seven Days, plus the success of Reese Derby and Flight of the Concords has really sort of had a, 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 a renaissance of comedy in New Zealand. There was, there was always a bit of a cultural cringe about New Zealand comedy. And, you know, there still is to a certain degree. I actually thought it was unique to New Zealand, but... You know, I, I used to hear people say that they didn't like British comedy in, in Britain occasionally, and I used to think, oh, right, okay. Because there's yeah, people that would, would still say, oh, New Zealanders aren't very good at comedy. But okay. um, but that's, that's absolutely minimal now compared to what it used to be. We used to, every year, there would be a, an article in our major paper, the New Zealand Herald, saying, why aren't New Zealanders funny? There would be like really? a... Really? Yeah, every year. And it just stopped. And I think it was, A, the overseas success of particularly the big, big success of, of the Concords and Reese and the local success of, um, of, of Seven Days that showed that, yeah, we did have comedians who were, yeah. who were funny and, yeah. and good. And it was, because before, even before Seven Days, it, you know, it annoyed me so much because, you know, Brendan and Reese and Jared there and myself. There been a lot of funny people for a long time. We'd all time. gone to the UK and, and done well. Ish, you know, we'd mm. all we'd all held our own in the UK, and it's like, well, we, we're clearly okay if we're getting work on the toughest circuit in the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that kind of all changed. So there is a circuit. Bulk of my work now is um, uh, a fair amount of telly um, uh, and touring. 
And when you say telly, do you mean panel games, specifically seven days, or are there, are there other sort of things? Oh, they... doing seven days, but also, yeah, just like other stand-up shows. There's quite okay. a few stand-up are you shows. Like a, are you a TV years. personality? Do you go on, you know, cooking programmes and stuff like that? No, I do not. Would you like to? Would you no, I, no, no, I, don't, I say no to them. Okay, you get asked though. You're... Yeah, I've never been. I really, I've never been interested in being a celebrity. I, I, I'm quite happy being a well-known comic. Yeah, but I'm, I never wanted to do a celebrity. I've never done because we, you, we don't have tabloids here like you guys do, red tops. But we have women's magazines, um, which is sounds like a sexist thing to say, but uh, it's genuinely what they call it. So there's Women's Weekly, Women's Day, New Idea. There's another one, and they do all the sort of celebrity gossip, gotcha. but not so much gossip. Although some gossip, but they do all the, um, oh, we had a baby and here's it photos. Well, of I was going to say, in the context of having had a kid now, mm-hmm. kids, a kid? Two, 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 two girls. Do you, is there any part of you that thinks like, uh, uh, let's just invite them around my house and get $100,000 from them? Or whatever, um, you know, do, do you think let's... A, a, the money is nowhere near there, because <laughs> it's New Zealand. I, and B, I do not speak as someone yeah. who has ever been afforded this opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, it might be in the UK if you're a big enough star. Sure. Yeah, I guess if they went to McIntyre's home. That yeah, right. Right, get yeah, a fair old chunk of money. Yeah, uh, but yeah, we're just too small. But there is, you know, there is financial offers, and I just there's, there's um, and I don't judge other people for doing it. I totally understand it, and you know, they do great things with that money. And they go right, well, that's their university paid for, you know, yeah. in one fell swoop. But it's just not something I've ever been interested, in or and certainly not my wife isn't interested in it either. So I, I, I don't go to openings of things and red carpet events and sure. I, I try and avoid them at all costs really I, and, and it may have been a slight de- to the detriment, detriment of my career slightly in New Zealand because I, I just don't enjoy it and, it, and I've never wanted to be a, a, yeah, a, a showbiz personality I just want to be a comic Talking about the recognition of of stand up as comedy as an actual creative force of, of a standard of a high mm-hmm. standard in New Zealand do you think there is a qualitative difference overall between, say, the, the top trumps of global comedy? Mm-hmm. Do you think that what are the differences between the UK and New Zealand? You mean stylistically? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stylistically. And also, I suppose what I'm wondering is, would you be happy with the level that you've attained here? Mm-hmm. Would you go back to the UK and go, check me out? I'm actually a big deal in New Zealand. Um, or would you no, go back to, no, no, I don't mean yeah, actually yeah. saying that, but in terms of do you think you would slot in at an appropriate, at an equivalent level in the UK? No, and in fact, I'm going back this year. Um, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm coming in August and I'm not doing the festival. But, um, I, I thought I was getting exclusive. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, that's good. I, um, I like that my listeners can come and see you. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, oh, cool. Uh, I hope they do. Um, I, I'm just coming back to do the clubs I like, actually. Okay. Because I, I miss them and I haven't been in long time so um, and, and that's they're the, all exactly the same yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think okay so here's a difference between British audiences and New Zealand audiences although it's changing um, for the better for, in New Zealand but British audiences just know how to be an audience and they just most of the time they just give it up they just go right we're here for the night and you know obviously you have to prove yourself in the first couple of minutes but once you do then you're away New Zealanders are still just that little bit more um, I guess suspicious and they go um, and they still Mickey D calls it shop they're shoppers yeah yeah okay yeah Yeah, yeah. they go I like that joke or I don't like that one 
Oh, I like that one. I laugh at that one. Oh, no, no, that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whereas British audiences are just, you know, it's rock and roll. Yeah. You walk out on stage at the Birmingham Glee or the, you know, the comedy store or something like that, and it's just, it's, it's rock and roll, man. It's yeah. cool. And I, and, I, and I do miss that a little bit. So, yeah, I'm going back for, for four weeks. Um, that's a different. Stylistically, uh, New Zealand comedians, I would say, um, they do want to be your mate a little bit more than these I always equated New Zealand comedy more with the Canadians and Americans a bit more like the Aussies and Britain's somewhere in between there's this the kind of swagger that Aussies and um, Americans seem to have that kind of they'll tell you how it is whereas uh, that's interesting I've heard from a couple of uh, UK acts and I think I've experienced myself as well here um, the tall poppy syndrome, yes, which isn't really a thing in the UK. No. I, I hadn't, I hadn't ever heard of it before. Before I went to Australia last year, actually, mm-hmm. they're big on it there. And what I understand to mean from it is people paying you kind of backhanded compliments, like audience members coming up to you afterwards and going, "So how do you think that went?" Because they don't want to accept that you have a higher status post gig. Is that, am I right? Is that the thing? You're, you're absolutely right. I used to once. Jared Christmas used to run a gig called the Four Kiwis gig every month in Chiswick, and you know, I'd work all month, um, you know, around the place and doing gigs everywhere, and then I would do that gig, and it would be the only one, even if you had a great gig, after the gig, someone would come up to you and go, that was quite good, actually. Yeah, 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 that's exactly actually? it. That was quite good, actually. <laughs> yeah. Don't you think for a minute that I expected it to be good or that no. I'm satisfied? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Where, why is that? Where does that come from? I don't know. I don't know. I've thought about it and thought about it, and it's... Um, it's the most frustrating thing, but it's that it's cultural cringe. I don't know what we always. What, think. what do you mean by that? I've heard that phrase here, but not not at home. No, either. really, it's just we always think everybody else is doing it better than us. Really, because we're a little bit, you know, uh, give it a crack, mate. You know, and, uh, and you know, we we we're not a we're not a, a wealthy country. You know, well, yeah, we are, we are compared to some, but. Um, you know, we're, we're, we have similar GDP to Wales, I think. Yeah, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, so everything has always been a little bit kind of do-it-yourself, homegrown kind of, we call it number eight wired here. Because number, number say again? Number eight wired. Okay. And it's a phrase that comes from the, the, the kind of wire you use to um, on a fence on a sheep farm is number yeah. eight wire it's the thickness there's numbers yeah. nine and there's number seven six five four three two one and uh, the, the most common is number eight and the, the, there's kind of an old cliche that says that a New Zealand farmer can make anything work with a piece of number eight wire so that kind of phrase now is that it's, it's you know it's kind of a bit do it yourself and it's kind of you oh, yeah, okay. things together yeah. and that, I think that's where the cultural cringe comes from that there has been some there hasn't been just high production values on things I understand yeah I understand I think that's where it comes from and so from. that the tall poppy thing comes from maybe things being a little bit crap yes I see <laughs> occasionally okay that's interesting that's interesting yeah I was watching some of uh, your TV watching some of your local TV <laughs> oh yes yes and uh, I was astonished by how much of it was Americanized. Actually. Oh yeah, that's the other thing. I mean, there's, there's, you know, just channels like channel. I don't know. I don't know the exact numbers, but before you get like to find the infomercial channels to yes. find the advertising. Hey, this is my Ninja Bullet food processor. <laughs> you don't need to go higher than sort of eight. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No, like in right, the UK, right, you're right. like right. Okay, thirty. Now these are the. Yeah, um, that was the other thing is that um, particularly with New Zealand TV, we bought all our we bought the best TV 
available from the United Kingdom and from the United States. Yeah, sure. Like, sure. we went, right, well, we'll have your five best comedies. So we bought, you know, Faulty Towers and Monty Python and, and Blackadder, mm. and we never bought Titty Titty Bang Bang. Mm-hmm. You know, so you don't see, you only see the cream of the crop and you think, right, well, British comedy is perfect then. Yes, okay, okay. That's <laughs> and you don't see the, we yeah. never saw the failures. So, and the same with America. I mean, Mike, I mean, you know, we, we do occasionally see the failures, mm. but they're, they're few. And, and just, I can't imagine how many failed sitcoms there are in the UK, uh, sorry, in the US at, at one, any one time. Yes, God. That are doing its first and last season. But we never get to see them. So you only see the successes, and then we give something a crack, and it's not a success. Um, it's just a numbers game. That's really interesting. That's really interesting to think that you're battling the best of comedy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or documentary or drama. Mm-hmm. So whenever we give something a go, if it, if it is a failure, it just looks so bad compared to the absolute cream of mm. British television. Mm. That's interesting. That's an interesting place to be culturally at the moment as a mm. as a comedy producer yourself. You know, as a as a as a creator of yeah yeah of stuff. Okay, so when are you back in the UK? August. I'll be in August. I'm doing the comedians, the two comedians. I'm doing the Birmingham Glee, and I'm doing some gigs in London as well. You're not going to wander up to Edinburgh? I'll come. I think I'll come up and have a look. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Excellent. Um, we talked a little bit about writing at the beginning. We've kind of done our time now. Sure. Um, I just to to tie it up. Um, you said at the beginning about mentoring other comics. Mm-hmm. And it's one of my favourite things about New Zealand is there is this sense of nourishing them. And you mentioned the... There's, I don't know if you mentioned or I made a note to ask you about class comedy. Yes. Which is like a, a comedy for young people thing that is all within... It's almost like there's one central body of the comedy festival. Scott Blanks and the classic are totally knitted in with that. Uh-huh. And everything, you know, the, the Billy T Awards and the Fred Awards and the class comedy, it's all sort of within one thing. Mm-hmm. And it's... That's... That's a really exciting model, I think, for someone that's, certainly for myself, used to hundreds of different satellite gigs, some loose idea that there's an industry, Chortle kind of looking at it and sometimes down on it and, you know, kind of, you know, it's it's, it's piecemeal, it's patchwork in the UK. And then you've got, it all is kind of geared around building up to and dragged down by Edinburgh. And you know what I mean? And all those, all of which is a hundred different organisations squabbling. There's a free fringe, bang, there's now four free fringes and they're all squabbling. There's the big four, five venues, plus there's the stand, the local things, plus there's all the other stuff in between. And here it seems very, um, you know, not just condensed, not just smaller, but more unified. And so the idea that you're mentoring other comics, I've never, I've never spoken to a, another comic from Britain who's gone. Well, I was mentoring this this comic. So right, what is right. that? What is that process? Because in in some ways, that's kind of what this show leans itself towards. <laughs> accidentally, you know. Um, that pro- yeah, I, I, so that wasn't really a question so much as a, a you know a, a big expansive uh, monologue. <laughs> <laughs> so what is that? You mentoring? just summed up comedy in like a minute. <laughs> amazing. Uh, it's a great process because you look at your own process and... Uh, it's and, almost and like having an apprentice, that. is it? Yeah. They're always saying, you see those adverts for businesses, have an apprentice, it helps your business, you know. It's something I've always done. Not everyone does it and that's not a criticism, you know, not everyone's got time or the inclination, but I don't know, I've always done it. I see, I, I guess I love this job. I genuinely love this job and I kind of want to share that. 
So what does that? What form does that take? Do you pick one person a year and go? I'm going to spend some time helping you. It's it's not even as methodical as that. I it's just sometimes I'll see like I've got uh, someone opening, um, doing uh, five minutes of my show every night of the comedy festival. Okay. Um, and she was just someone I saw, on a. She got. A, she's a like a five minute support act at the beginning. Yeah. Great. And. Uh, Who's that? We should, we should name her. Her name's Louise Bovink. Oh, yes, I know Louise. She's oh, a yeah, cool. friend of the show. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. Hey, happy days. And I just saw her. I thought she was really unique and uh, and, and really funny and really dark. And um, and, uh, and and I've done it before. Um, I, I, a couple of the, the ex-class comedians. Yes. Uh, Which I, is a, like a comedy for young people thing. Yeah, at school. Yes, okay. Yeah, so they, it's a school's program. Um, that goes around into schools. Mm, in Auckland oh, and Wellington, yeah. Okay. So they, they, I think they do a um, like a lunchtime gig, which yep. is obviously clean and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then kids will come up and say if they're interested in doing a workshop after school, and then it's kind of a workshop slash audition. And then they choose one or two from each school, and then it goes into a, they go into an intensive training program, and then they end up doing a gig and a big showcase and and during the during the comedy festival. Um, yeah, I don't know. There, there might be a a sense of um, narcissism to my <laughs> to my <laughs> no, mentoring. I'm sure it's flattering to think that you're passing something on. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so, what are the, the key things? And let's finish on this. What are the the key things that you try to pass on? You mentioned one of them earlier on about. Um, yeah, telling them you're funny. Telling them you're funny. But what are the other? What are the principles for you? If you, uh, <laughs> I suppose, whatever whenever I ask people things like this, I'm always thinking, Ben Hurley. If you walked out of here and got hit by a bus, and this was your last message. <laughs> To comedy, yeah. what are the things, what are the key principles that you go, do you know what, for me, these are the most important things? Um, truth. So, your own truth. So, never try and be something that you're not. Don't try and be a surreal comic if you don't have that kind of mind. I don't have that kind of mind. And I love surreal comics. And I love Noel Fielding and... Um, you know, a lot of the whimsical comics. I'm just not a whimsical comic. I don't have that kind of mind. I'm genuinely impressed by that kind of comedy. So absolute, 100% be a version of the true your true self because I don't think it's funny otherwise. Um, and love it. You've got to love it. It's the best job in the world. If you're doing it for a paycheck, then you should give up. If you're doing it to be famous, give up. If you're doing it to go on to other things, if you want to be a film director or be in sitcoms and that's why you're doing stand-up comedy, comedy then give up. Get the fuck out of my industry. <laughs> Come and be a comic because you love doing stand-up comedy and you love making audiences laugh. So that that's another one. Thank you very much. <laughs> Cheers, Ben. That's great. <laughs> So that was Ben. Many thanks to him for coming on the show. Really good to catch up with him. And a lot of sensible shit being talked there too as well. I really enjoyed that record. That was great fun. Um, that's everything. We're gonna. I'm just going to sign off. No, I'm not. I've forgotten the last few shows to plug the Audible link. This is a way you can get a, a free trial of Audible, uh, which, as you know, is the audiobook download site. Uh, if you go to audible.co.uk slash cc for Comedians Comedian, P 
pick an audio an audio book, then you get that one for free with your membership, which you can cancel at any time if you're not enjoying it. Or, or for a certain period of time, maybe a month or something, you'll, you'll have to check the registration details. I certainly haven't done that. Um, but if you do go to audible.co.uk backslash cc, then I get a couple of quid every time a, a member joins. So I normally recommend a specific uh, author. I'm going to admit, all I've been reading is Jack Reacher. I know, by Lee Childs. He comes from Coventry. I feel like I should support him. Um, He's just an enormous, you know, 10 foot 5 sort of drifter, really. If you don't know Jack Reacher, he is. He was in that Tom Cruise film. Uh, Tom Cruise played someone uh, double his height. Um, and his two abilities are winning all fights and deducing stuff to a ludicrous degree. I've been really enjoying them. They've been keeping me going on away uh, plane travel. So get some bloody Jack Reacher audiobooks on your drive. Uh, this show was brought to you by me, Stuart Goldsmith, and co-produced by Nathan Wood. All details at comedianscomedian.com. If you've enjoyed it, do feel free to donate. And if you don't want to donate, please share it with a friend. Thanks for listening. I've got a couple of really good ones in the can coming up with Luke Heggie, Jared Christmas and Michelle Acourt. Going to record a few more this week before I come back. Um, So some good uh, names you'll know and names you won't coming up very soon. I'll speak to you then. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.